Hey guys, welcome back to Pucks and Pages. My name is Steven. That's my lovely wife, Liberty. And we have very different interests. To say the least. And this podcast is where we try to bring the other person to our side via the latest news in books and sports. Today is clearly Liberty's opportunity to try to drag me to the dark side of the books. You seem to be enjoying the books, so that's all I have to say about that. So far, so good. For book news, we have a few big things happening this week. The Marvel superhero Silk is going to be getting an adaptation. Apparently, Sony has been in talks with Amazon for about a year about a handful of projects, and this is the first one slated to be worked on. The author will be Lauren Moon, who wrote for the show Atypical on Netflix, and the producers of Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, both Phil Lord and Chris Miller, will be working on it as well. Is it bad that I don't know what Silk is? From what I can tell, it's female Spider-Man. Oh, okay. Could be good. I feel bad as like a human being for not knowing that that exists, especially considering like I am such a Spider-Man nerd. <laughs> the weird. only Spider-Man I really know well is Andrew Garfield's version of Spider-Man, so I don't know a lot. So you know two good movies and then a bunch of garbage. Actually, no. Andrew Garfield's the better one. Yes, he is. Never mind. You're talking about... um. What's his face? The creepy looking one. Yep, that's the one. Anyway, apparently John Green will be coming out with a non-fiction book in May of 2021. Interesting. It's going to be an offshoot of his podcast, The Anthropocene Reviewed. And basically, it's a bunch of essays where he's going to be reviewing everything on Earth imaginable. From the Taco Bell breakfast menu to cholera. Well, he might have to update the Taco Bell menu a little bit because they just eliminated a bunch of things, but that is such a weird thing. His podcast is going to be a little bit different than the actual book because in the podcast he just talks about the thing, does a review for it. But in the book form, it's also going to be expanded to talk about like the contradictions of human life and like the duality of man. So, could be good. It's going to be very different writing style, for sure. Well, it's very different from things that he's written in the past. And I don't know if he's hit a wall with the stuff he's written before, or if this is just expanding out for the sake of trying new things. Well, you know, when you're a writer of his caliber, I guess it makes sense that you'd have that opportunity to do weird things like that from time to time. Right. But it's available for pre-order now. The book comes out on May 18th of 2021. Assuming the world still exists at that point. Oh, we made it this far. Gotta have hope. Also, Channing Tatum has a children's book that's coming out. He announced it on Instagram with a really over-the-top photo. He was wearing wings and had, like, stuffed unicorns and, like, it was all very bright and shiny and glittery. Interesting. The book is called The One and Only Sparkella. Releases on May 4th of 2021. So two books already in May coming out. It was something he wrote during quarantine for his daughter. Apparently, he has a seven-year-old daughter that I didn't know about. Interesting. I didn't know that either. Yeah, so... Surprise. He basically said that being in quarantine just tapped him into, like, creative juices or whatever. I could see it going either way, realistically. Like, it could be very destructive, and then at the same time, it could also be, like, I have my time away from all the people. It's not a bad time to write things. He was also probably spending a lot of time with his daughter at that point. Yeah. There are currently people speculating about a new Twilight movie thanks to the release of Midnight Sun. And while the guy who played Dr. Carlisle Cullen 
Peter Fascinelli. Fascinelli? I can never say his name. He was open to the idea, but he said vampires don't age and the actors have all aged. So he doesn't see how that's possible. CGI for the win. I mean, if you saw the movies, you wouldn't agree with that statement, but sure. Well, they completely redid Princess Leia in the most recent Star Wars movies, so, like, it's not that complicated, I could imagine. Very different caliber movies, if we're going to go into that. Very different. And if we're talking about things getting optioned, Felix Ever After by Kaysen Callender is going to be picked up for a TV show by Amazon. And this book currently has glowing reviews, so I'm not surprised someone wants to pick it up. The novel was only released in May, and it tells the story of a transgender teen named Felix who is struggling with his identity. I've also heard booktubers talking about how it involves a love triangle and, like, catfishing somebody and goes, like, down that road, too. So, sounds very complicated. But the book's doing very well. It's getting a lot of really good reviews. Seems like May is the time to release something. Was it like right before summer, everybody like, I need that summer read, and it's just like, bye. For mostly contemporaries, also some nonfiction, but usually fall is like heavy with thrillers and horror, stuff like that. just want to be a little more educated on like book release stuff, because it seems like it's very strange. You have two main release times, and that's spring and fall. If you are a really well-known author, you can also publish outside of that time frame and still do well. Like Maureen Johnson's released all of her Truly Devious in like the off seasons, if you want to call it that. Gotcha. So it just depends. But that was a pretty short news week for us. Well, I don't even know. So let's stay corrected. Normally I would bring lots of news to the table with sports, but I don't know where to find book news. And I'm not very good at it, so I've I've looked. So if you guys like want to DM our social media with like things you want us to talk about that are book news that we may not normally see, send it to us because we know nothing. Like I I struggle at least trying to find things, and I wouldn't mind having some cheats. I was gonna say speak for yourself. Yeah. But we're also going to do a tag. Because you said you wanted to do another tag. So I I didn't dive too deep on the news front, but at the same time, it was just a slow news week. I wish I could say the same about sports. It was absolutely chaotic. Yeah. And the tag that we'll be doing is called the Adventure Book Tag. That's kind of fitting considering we just bought all that like camping gear. Yeah. It's got eight questions, so it's pretty short. I hope you can answer them, but I know you don't read a lot, so we'll see. Excellent. Harry Potter, Harry Potter, Harry, Harry Potter. Potter all the way down. Divergent Harry Potter. <laughs> That's a choice. Yeah. The first question is, which character would you like to go on an adventure with? Hmm. That's a tough one. I'd probably choose one of the twins from yeah. Harry Potter. I feel like that would be fun and also be like exciting. I think that would be form. chaos. Or, no matter or, what you're doing, it's going to be chaos. It's going to be fantastic. Yeah. But yeah, that, that seems like that would be my answer. Mine is from The Old Guard. And it's what do you even think about that? Yusuf Al-Hazani, I think is how you say it. Joe. Yeah. I said, because that would mean I'm one of the old guard. <laughs> that would be the only reason you'd know him. So, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Also, I like his sense of humor in the movie, and I like it even more in the book or the <laughs> comics. So, I think we'd get along. I also feel like he would be really prepared for anything that happens. So, like, he could protect me. He would be overqualified as if a protective need detail, to be. for yeah. sure. Yeah. The second question is, if you could be a character for a day, who would you be and why? Hmm. Like, you wouldn't be on an adventure with this person. You would be this person. 
I think it would be really cool to be probably like Dumbledore in like one of the early books. Cause like everybody's got like that ridiculous respect for the man, and and like it just seems like not everything's absolutely burning down around him yet. So like <laughs> the stress isn't quite there yet. So I th- I would say it's undeserved respect. Yeah. Given everything I know about Dumbledore, but. But like at that time, like I feel like that's that's the way his character was. So like I, I feel like that wouldn't be so bad. For my answer, I said Luna Lovegood. And I said, the obvious answer is she's my favorite character, but then at the same time, I'd also get to go to Hogwarts. Pardon my sigh, but I would say I'm shocked, but considering I'm reading the book currently where I meet Luna, I understand why my wife loves Luna so much, and I've only gotten just the littlest taste of Luna's character. I love Luna. Yeah. She and Neville are my favorite characters. Yeah, we literally have Luna in her lion mask, or lion hat. Yeah. Over there on the table. Which you won't get to in this book. So sad. I was actually looking forward to that. It's in book six. I'm sorry. Okay. The third question is, what book is on your TBR bucket list? I feel like it would be like some of the classics. Because like I I read a lot of them when I was in high school, but I don't really remember them that much. Because it was more of just... forced to read them? Yeah, it was like crammed into your temporary memory. And then just like you wrote an essay on it and then it was done. So like I feel like. That would be something I would enjoy going back and reading. I'm not I, like I, I really have a specific book. I feel like that doesn't really answer the question, but yeah, you're all right. For mine, I said that mine used to be like a book that I'm intimidated by, but I really want to read was "Under the Dome" by Stephen King. And then you hated and then it. I read a third of it, which was over 300 pages, well, and yeah. I hated it's a Stephen it. King book. Not all of his books are that long, but a lot that of one them is. Are, yeah, and. Uh, I ended up DNFing it, and I really don't have another book that I'm, like, intimidated by, but still really want to read. Yeah. And, like, I don't even want to say the classics per se, because the classics I've read I haven't enjoyed, and I don't know if that's just because most of them I read in high school and college, or if it's just not my thing to begin with. Yeah, I feel like I'm a little bit intimidated to buy them, though, just because, like, I've read them before and I, I don't remember them, so they must not be, like, that strongly in my head, and if I do read them again, it could just be, like, wah, wah. Well, for me, I don't even like historical fiction, which is not the same thing as classics, and so, like, these books weren't historical at the time that they were written, but obviously many hundreds of years sometimes have passed. So it's just a setting that I don't think I'd be interested in. Which book has a contemporary setting you'd like to go to? Well, I don't know if you have one for this. I don't think I You do. really only like fantasy from what I've seen you read. So far. Yeah, I don't, think I've, I don't know that I've ever read a contemporary book, so I feel like I'm kind of out of the ability to answer this question. I will gesture broadly at my section somewhere on this bookcase. Has a bunch of contemporaries for you. Yeah. Though I think where I first pointed was my fantasy shelf. Yeah, I was going to say you pointed like right at the Divergent series and the <laughs> Valiant. And... Somewhere down there. Yeah. For mine, I put In a Holidays by Christina Lauren. It's because I've always wanted to do Christmas in a cabin with snow and you go sledding and you build like snow bears because I don't do snowmen. Yeah. So it's complicated, obviously, with my job to make these things happen just due to the fact that it's important for me to work then. But maybe one day in like the late winter. Yeah, it is a contemporary setting I'd like to go to, but it's also partially to do with Christmas and has nothing to do with the actual location. 
Right. This one I think you'll be able to answer is which book has a fantasy setting you'd like to go to? So spending a lot of my years in Chicago, I really would probably do the Divergent series. Just Even because... though it's a decrepit version of Chicago? Yeah, I think it would be really cool. Uh, I don't know. The zip lining that would be fun. Yeah, that'd be super great. Like right down Lakeshore, right? That's where it runs. Yeah. So that would be really cool. Even though you're scared of heights? Well, I've done zip lines. I'm fine with them because it's metal usually holding me to metal, which is pretty sturdy overall. A lot, I feel like a lot safer than jumping out of a perfectly good airplane, which that's is why also you metal. have a perfectly good parachute. Yeah, but that's not made of metal, so you have weird tie-ups on things. Yeah. For mine, I said that I was gonna avoid saying Harry Potter because that's my very obvious answer. I think that would be a lot of people's very obvious answer. Right. Though. My second is City of Brass because I really like the magic in the world and the city that everything is in. But at the same time, it's a weird answer because they're pretty much always at war with each other, the different, like, tribes. So, uh, there, I guess. A warring world. Got it. Well, I like the magic system and, like, everything else. I just don't like the war part. So, if I could wait until, like, the third book is done and then come in, that'd be great. What book or book edition would you love to get your hands on? I'd really like to get my hands back on the book that USPS stole from me. One of the first edition Harry Potter books that I got from my grandmother. Yeah, well. Um, Those punks pilfered our media mail. And, like, in the past two months, they have shoved three different books into our tiny little mailbox and expected us to get it out. They don't, they, they fit going in, but because we have a door on our end. It doesn't fit coming out. Fit yeah. coming out. My answer for this question is the collector's edition of the Six of Crows duology by Lee Bardugo. My thing is, I don't like buying pretty versions of books because A, I don't want to read it, and B, I could buy a lot more books with the same amount of money. Well, it's kind of like getting like an autographed jersey. It's like you don't really ever want to do anything but go, ooh, it's pretty. It would just yeah. sit on the shelf. Yeah. So while I really want this, I don't want to spend my money on it. Another question is name an adventurous and daring character. This should be easy because you're reading Harry Potter and that's like a category of student. Yeah. Remind me one more time. What, what, so like a brave and daring mm-hmm. character. I guess really like you could name Harry in that role. But I think honestly the one I would pick would maybe be like Ron during the like wizard's chest thing. I felt like he was super brave to sacrifice himself for everybody. Yeah. So like I really liked that moment because I like chess. And I also for the most part like Ron. Ron is one of my favorite Gryffindors. Right. But there are so many Weasleys in that house, it's really hard to, like, say that. I could imagine. There are a lot of Weasleys. They don't seem to ever end. For me, I said that I have a new character that fits this category. Yeah. Because I just read the series this year, and I said it was Sophia from The Truth Witch by Susan Dennard, because... She's constantly having to, like, battle her way out of so much crap because of the kind of magic she has. And especially in the first book, you see a lot of her doing what she has to do, not only to protect herself, but, like, protect her blood sister. So... It's a pretty good answer. Yeah. You haven't read it, so you don't know what any of that means. I really don't. Name the craziest or weirdest place that you've ever read a book. And I want you to go first because my answers are bad. (laughs) 
I've read some on the top of a mountain over like a cliff face before, but it's only because like when I was in high school and in college, I was still reading books, but I also really thoroughly was obsessed with hiking things. Yeah. Um, Sounds like a boy thing. Yeah. And so like I've read in a lot of very strange places, like in mountain ranges and like in the dark, you know, doing night hikes and all sorts of stuff. How do you read in the dark? Uh, You get a headlamp and you hike with it and then you read that can't be good for your vision it's not great that's for sure but it's peaceful because there's usually nobody else on the mountain with you which is really nice yeah that is nice also a little eerie uh, in some circumstances like you hope you're alone yeah like if you were reading a thriller or something like that and somebody jumped out of the bush i would probably pee myself and run i think there are probably people who would like doing that though yeah. I have two answers for this. So the answer that won't get me into trouble is I tend to read on my devices as I'm like walking down a street or sidewalk. So like that's not weird really for people who are normal book readers. Right. But the answer that will get me into trouble, I just want to say I had to work on a release day for a book that had just come out. And so I had it on my Kindle app And I was waiting for a light to change. And so I was reading while I was waiting for the light to change. That is awful. Why? And dangerous and would get me into trouble. But nothing bad happened. All of those things. That one time, nothing bad happened. That's good. Because that could have been really bad. So I think this time I want to talk about what I've been reading, what I'm reading next. And then we'll talk about what you've been reading. We'll wrap it up with the Harry Potter? Yeah. Okay. So I have been reading what I'm calling spooky books to get me in the spooky season. So the first book I read this past week was City of Ghosts by Victoria Schwab. I rated this four stars and it is my middle grade role from Bookopolithon. It's about a little girl who can see ghosts and she goes with her family to Scotland because they're recording for their show about ghost hunting and like the history of ghosts and ghost stories. Okay. And I actually really liked this more than I thought I was going to. I don't read a lot of middle grade. And so I was surprised that I liked it so much. I really like Cassie as a character. I really like that she has a ghost friend. Like that I had never heard of that until I picked up the book. So that was interesting to me. And also she does photography. And I do photography. You don't say. Well, I try to do photography at least. (laughs) So... I don't know. I really liked it. I connected with Cassidy as a character. So that was a good start to the week. And then I read a book that I gave 2.5 stars. So that tanked my week at that point. From good to bad. That's really like good to ugly. We'll call what it is. No, next week's ugly. I already finished a book for next week. Mm. Technically. So the second book I read was Starstruck by Brenda Hyatt. I think is how you pronounce that. I gave it 2.5 stars. For the Bookopolithon, it filled the prompt for Fire on the Cover. It's a sci-fi written in the early 2010s and it hits a lot of those same tropes. Like, it's a small town and nothing ever happens here and she's a nobody girl that nobody really likes and suddenly a guy moves in here and he's super popular and pays attention to her and he's obviously gorgeous and suddenly... He's gorgeous or handsome. Both. And so it's hitting a lot of things that I don't really like but it was sci-fi so I thought maybe I would like it more but I obviously didn't 
There were some things that I liked about it, though, and it's that not only is he an alien, but she's like a missing alien princess and she doesn't know her own history because she's adopted. So I liked that a lot. I also liked how the Martian stuff worked. I liked how she had a reason for being the way that she was before they met. And it's because when you're raised in a Martian society as a Martian, you develop differently than if you are raised around a bunch of humans. And like that gave some sort of plausibility to the rest of the story. Yeah. But then there were just a lot of things that like fell into tropes I don't love and... It read a lot like Twilight fan fiction. Like, it was hitting a lot of the same beats that Twilight hits, but then you just changed it from vampires to aliens. It's kind of weird. And so, like, it it was kind of predictable because of that, but it was also kind of, like, playing off of someone else's work, and I wasn't a fan of that. I can imagine. That doesn't sound very good. Right. And then the last thing I managed to fit into this past week was A Study in Charlotte by Brittany Cavallaro which I rated three stars, and it is a first in a series fitting that prompt. And it's basically what if Sherlock Holmes and John Watson were real people, and they had families, and what about several generations later, what would those families look like? Where would they be in the world? And so on. And then the great-great-great-great-grandchildren end up at the same boarding school, and someone ends up dead. And so they're solving the case. I don't know how I feel about books like that, where it's just like, well, these extended, 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 extended family member that were friends are now friends with the friends of... It just seems like it's well, a little stretch. in this story, most of them aren't friends. Right. It's just these two ended up at the same boarding school and then ran into each other sort of thing. And then a murder happened. Gotcha. So, like, for me, that felt a little more plausible than just everyone's constantly friends with each other no matter how far down the line you are yeah but it does play into uh, like what if they're real and the stories were still published anyway and sort of like they still had to deal with the fame and popularity of being a Holmes or being a Watson or whatever yeah and to a degree I enjoyed this but at the same time a, I don't think it's in the right age range like technically it's YA but it's Read more like middle grade. Like, everything is downplayed a lot. And I don't know if I'm saying this as someone who read her complete Sherlock Holmes stories multiple times in college, or just, that's the way it is. So, it felt a little young. And then it felt like the author was trying to replicate the stories in the Sherlock Holmes world with the murders that were happening. And so it just felt a little bit unoriginal, I guess. I wish that the murders were done a little differently, I guess. It's a weird thing considering it's just a murder mystery with Sherlock and... It's just, like I said, it feels unoriginal. Gotcha. I think part of that problem is that the author is trying to basically be a version of Sir Arthur Conan Doyle and you really can't try to live up to that because you won't succeed. I think that's part of where she kind of falls apart there because he does such a good job in those stories of laying out everything as it's happening but also explaining it really well at the end. Yeah. And in this, you don't really get those aha moments. 
like I feel like should have been in there. Like nothing's clearly stated the way it should be. And what I'm reading next, technically I've already finished one of these, but that's because we're recording so late in the week. And it's The Magicians by Lev Grossman. It is a backlash sort of like, I wanted to call it spooky at the time. It's more witchy sort of story. And I won't really go into like what I thought about it, but basically it's been advertised to me as adult Harry Potter, like wizard school for college. And I won't say how true that is until next week's episode. So how does a wizard do a kickstand? I just have to ask. Magically. They levitate over yeah. it? Sure. Upside down. And it fits the nature on the cover prompt for Bogopolithon. Then the book I just got recently and had to pull out of the mailbox is... The Inheritance Games by Jennifer Lynn Barnes. It's a new release. It will fit the dark cover prompt for Bookopolithon because it's basically just a really dark green with a little bit of gold. And it's about a girl who inherits someone's home and vast fortune, but she doesn't know this man. The stipulation is she has to move into the mansion in order to receive the inheritance. The problem being that it is a spooky, clue-style sort of mansion where you have secret passageways and staircases and rooms inside of rooms and things so that should be a fun book i feel like it will be properly spooky for the spooky season well we're a little ahead of spooky season but yeah it is already spooky season in my heart yeah the sooner to get to christmas oh and then the last book i want to try to fit in is going to be a golden fury by samantha kohoy maybe. It's a NetGalley arc that I received through my email. It's not technically a Bogopolithon read, but it sounded really good. It's about a girl who she and her mom figure out how to create the Philosopher's Stone through alchemy, and her mom goes insane. And so she basically spends the rest of the story trying to prevent people from trying to recreate the Philosopher's Stone. And I'm sure other things happen, but that's as far as I wanted to get into the synopsis. But that's my plan for next week. My plans are to continue reading the book I'm reading. Well, then let's talk about the book you're currently reading, Order of Phoenix. Yeah. Through, what was it, chapter 11? Yeah, definitely talking about this lovely book, The Order of the Phoenix. So far, so good. I feel like there is kind of a trend, like the second book, where it was setting a lot of things up for things to happen right now. Well, you have to set up a book at the start of the book. No, but I mean, like, there's, it, it seems like more filler, I guess, is the best way to put it. Like, obviously, you have the Dementor scene right off the bat, but otherwise, it's a little slower start. That's weird. I feel like book five is pretty action-y. I'm hoping to get to it because so far, a little lackluster. Okay. Um, but I know you've met my favorite character. I know that's not lackluster. It was a weird thing to read, to say the least. Like, she's a, she's a very strange character, but we'll get to that. We'll, we'll start with more towards the beginning of the book instead of the end of what I was reading. <laughs> right, right. So I thought it was funny that Harry's trying to have to find ways to watch the news. Like, I don't think I've ever seen somebody who's, like, the parent figure be like, no, how dare you watch the news? Well, that just goes to the absurdism of the Dursleys. So he's, like, laying out in the flower bed underneath a window that's open with the living room television so that he can hear the actual news going on. Obviously, the big thing for him is the struggle was not really knowing what's going on with Voldemort because nobody wanted to send him any messages. And when they did, it was very lacking of information, to say the least. Right. Well, technically, they weren't supposed to tell him anything. 
again, we'll get to that. It's in my notes. So, like, he's trying to find all these different ways. He's trying to get a hold of, like, newspapers. He's trying to get a hold of just listening to the news. Anything that he can do to possibly find out, like, is the end of the world coming to his front door? Right, right. So, after realizing and getting caught, because, like, he hears that popping sound of somebody apparating or disapparating in this instance, he gets up, bangs his head against the windowsill. <laughs> And the Dursley's like, what are you doing outside the window in the flower bed? They would just let him watch the news. There wouldn't be any problems. Right. So he wanders off to a park by himself and ends up sitting on a swing that wasn't broken by uh, Dudley. I guess Dudley's destroying playgrounds everywhere yeah. now that he's growing out of his fat stage and into his just bigger phase. I don't know. Like, I, I'm wondering how they're going to, like, portray him in the movie, if at all. Because movies, they like to cut everything. So. Well... I will say he is in the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously, when we do the review on the movie, we'll find all those things out. But he sees Dudley walking home with his gang of cronies. Lackeys? Sure. That's not a bad choice of words for that. But So he's like stalking them almost, waiting for them to just kind of separate away from one another. And then we get the big action sequence that you're going to get for a majority of what we're going to talk about today with the Dementors in the alleyway. Yeah. So they're like walking along and, you know, Harry's just sitting there poking and prodding at Dully as much as he can, trying to instigate a fight for him to use magic because he's just really mad, grumpy Harry. I think... There's a lot of that in the beginning of him. I think there's a case to be made that Harry has undiagnosed and untreated PTSD after the events of the last book and that his behavior actually isn't all that weird or like him being an angsty teenager like a lot of people say. I think this is a symptom of his PTSD and this is how it's manifesting. Yeah, but it starts to get very dark and cold and Harry immediately goes, I know what's coming. Right. Whereas Dudley just starts to panic and tries to run away from Harry. Well, Firstly, in the darkness, swings and bops Harry in the head and then starts running. I'm like, what? What? You hit the thing you were trying to hit and you ran away. Like, I don't understand. Well, he probably thought Harry was doing it. Yeah. And the Dementors come down. Obviously, Harry's frustrated and angry because he's been punched in the head. He's banged his head against a, a windowsill. He's probably concussed. And he's upset about his friends more or less not keeping him in the loop with anything. And so he's struggling to use his magic to actually get rid of the Dementors. He eventually succeeds... Then finds, well, I'm trying to remember, Miss Fig, Miss Fig came in between when he gets rid of his Dementor and when he's able to get the Patronus to attack. I'm pretty sure she comes in after both of the Dementors are gone, but okay. don't quote me on that because I haven't read this book for the month yet. Yeah, so there's a chance, you know, we're not 100% certain on this one, but... If you want, I'll find out for you. It's okay. Okay. Either way, we'll just say that she comes after in this instance. Uh, She arrives after Harry saves Dudley from the Dementor, and Dudley has basically just become a stone on the ground. Doesn't want to move no matter what you do to him. He's just sitting, not wanting to go anywhere. I wonder what he would be seeing. Yeah, it's not really gone into detail, which is kind of sad because I was kind of hoping for that information. I wouldn't be hoping for that information. I don't think the Dursleys would ever tell us, or Harry specifically. I just think, what could he possibly have gone through in order to react like that? Yeah. And so, coming into chapter two is when we find out Miss Fig. So, you're right. The Dementors attack. He gets rid of them. And Miss Fig is like, I'm here. Yeah. Which is funny because we all thought she was the crazy cat lady up until now. Who babysits Harry whenever the Dursleys leave. And then it turns out she's a squib. 
Yeah, I didn't know what that term meant when I got there. So. You should have. Oh, you know what? You're we wrong. Already yeah, know yeah, we already know squibs. Yeah, know squib, yeah. I do remember having to explain to you what a squib was. Yeah, because that's a term that is not utilized in normal English language. Neither is Hogwarts or Bludger. Yeah, it's true. But you know what those are. Yeah, and she's mad at the world because there was supposed to be somebody else that was watching over Harry, and his name is Mundungus. Mundungus Fletcher, yep. Yeah, it's an awful name. It sounds like the word dung in the middle of it is like just a Fletcher. That is part of J.K. Rowling's writing. Like, he's supposed to be on the good side, but not be very good at it. And so, so like he's got a horrible name. Yeah. He ends up apparating back after the Dementor attack is done, and Miss Fig's about ready to kill him. If she had magic, she might have. Well, trying to swing around bags of canned food, I would assume she could kill someone with that. Yeah, especially if it's like the older tin containers, like it could really jack somebody up. Oh, yeah. Well, it was the 90s. Yeah, so there's a possibility. And so she immediately sent him to go to find Dumbledore because of the fact that Harry was using magic again and he's not supposed to be. And Dumbledore needs to know about A, the attack, and B, the use of magic. That was weird. It was just like, hey, you were supposed to be here. Okay, now go away. Well, obviously, she can't alert him. Well, she can't use magic, so yeah. So someone with magic obviously has to go talk to him. Yeah, and Harry manages to drag Dudley all the way home with a little bit of help from Miss Fig. And they get to the door, Harry knocks on the door, and Dudley decides it's a great idea to just throw up all over his entryway. Yeah. Sending basically the Dursleys into an absolute panic, like, what did you do to him? And he's like, I've literally done nothing but save him. He was about to be given the kiss and would have died, so I did the right thing, you know. I thought that was kind of funny. Like, at the same time, I'm like, usually Harry gets chocolate after the Dementors attack him. And it's like, obviously, Harry didn't have chocolate to give Dudley. So maybe that's why he didn't handle it as well. Well, it's probably also he's not magical. Yeah. So, like, that could cause a worse reaction. Plus, who knows what he saw. Yeah. And then you get the letters starting to arrive, which obviously uh, Mr. Dursley hates because he hates the owls. They keep flying in and out, dropping off letters. So, at first, Harry is freaking out because he gets the worst information from the Ministry of Magic that they're going to show up at his door and take his wand and break it. and He's expelled. And and he's expelled. And the list goes on of punishments. Then you get one from Dumbledore, and then one back from the Ministry of Magic, and then one from Sirius. Yeah. So, like, four owls in just a matter of moments. Like, I I just don't understand how, like, we were having conversations earlier where they were getting owls from Egypt and how it took a really long time. But somehow, in all of England, an owl can travel there in seconds from when things are written. It's just crazy to me. Well, the Ministry of Magic is in London. But they're not The in location where Sirius is, is in London. Yeah. And quite possibly the location where, at that moment in time, Dumbledore was, is in London. And well, yeah, because he was Harry, to the Ministry of Magic to explain everything. And Harry is in Surrey. And I don't know how far apart those are, but that's a lot closer than Surrey in Egypt. Yeah. But so still. I would say it's plausible at the very least. But if it takes seconds for a letter to get there, then it would it's take not like... seconds. I don't know. It, it seemed pretty seconds. quick. Well, but the first Ministry of Magic letter happens several minutes after the attack and Harry's use of magic. But then the other ones are like, boom, 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 boom. So, like, I feel like that's crazy because, like, A, how did Sirius find out about it after Dumbledore literally was still handling everything? Why would he not 
my thought is that Sirius and Dumbledore are in the same place when this happens. And that's how he finds out about it. Or at the very least, Fletcher tells Dumbledore and then Fletcher, being the big gossip he is, goes to the hideout. See, now I can see that being a feasible option, possibly. Either way, letters keep coming. And um, they don't stop coming. Yeah, he has a hearing on August 12th after all is said and done. Sirius's letter more or less is just like, just stay inside, don't be stupid, don't go outside, don't do anything. Just stay where you are. And then the conversation kind of begins where Harry's explaining things to the Dursleys. And that's obviously happening a little bit while all the letters are coming in, but at the same time being interrupted. Harry's kind of breaking down everything that has happened over the last year to Mr. and Miss Dursley. Miss Dursley obviously knows a little bit about what's going on. Like she admits like hearing of Voldemort before. Roughly all these bad things that were happening and all this stuff. And Harry's like, thank God, somebody that finally understands what I'm talking about, you know. And I feel like that was a, a little bit of a relief for Harry during all that commotion. At least a little bit. Maybe. Thank you for your two cents on that. You're welcome. Okay. Well, I just don't know what to say to that because I have a different opinion, but I can't tell you about it because it later. Got it. Spoilers. Yep. Got it. I love the prank they pull on the Dursleys to get them to go away so they can come oh, pick yeah. up Harry. The All England Best Kept Suburban Lawn Competition. And of course they buy into it. I would automatically think that's a, a scam. How are you going to see people's lawns in the suburban neighborhood at one location? Like, are, is it a competition where they like driving through a neighborhood where like a single neighborhood's competing or something? Like, that's the only thing I could really think. But even then, it's just that's such a weird thing. Like, how could that attract anybody's attention? I guess it's the Dursleys. They'll buy into it. Yeah. This is a man that tried to nail in a nail via fruitcake. Yeah. He's not all there. Yeah. After they leave, Harry hears a crashing noise. People are apparating again into his yard and his front area, front door and all that jazz. Opens the door and there's nine people there ready to come inside the house. Which I couldn't fathom having nine people at my doorstep ever, let alone wizards and witches. Well, but they're also there to retrieve him and protect him. So he was very happy to see them. So you have Mad-Eye Moody, you're getting the introductions to everybody. Lupin is there. We know those two already. Nymphadora Tonks. You can call her Tonks. Tonks. Kingsley Shacklebolt. We like him. Elpheus Doge. Dedalius Diggle. Is that right? Dedalus? Dedalius? You were closer with the first one. We'll go with that. Okay. Diggle. Emmeline Vance. Is that right? Or Emmeline Vance? Emmeline Vance, I'm pretty sure. Sturgis Podmore and Hestia Jones. And I love that they kind of like just secure the house as soon as they get there. They're like, all right, we got to go into all the rooms. It's like a tactical entry a little bit. So I thought that was kind of silly. Yeah. But at the same time, like, it, I guess it makes sense that they're a protector. <laughs> yeah. Are all the entrances and exits secure? Yes. You know, type of stuff. And then Lupin leaves a nice letter for the Dursleys to let them know that, like, Harry wasn't kidnapped or... They wouldn't have cared. Like, I, I, realistically, it's like, what difference would it have made, you know? I think it's just so they know that it was all a ruse, more than them thinking they would be concerned about Harry. Yeah. And then, like, Tonks is helping Harry pack, which was a really funny scene. Yeah. yeah. I like Tonks. Yeah. So far, I do, too. She's interesting, to say the least. And then on the way back, they're flying via broom because Harry can't apparate. Well, he's too young. Yeah. Moody's having them take what I wrote in my notes as the extremely scenic route. Right, right. To get there. And there's jokes about it later, which I think are hilarious. It's like, well, he would have taken us around Greenland or whatever, like if if we had a choice. Um, Constant vigilance. Yes. Yeah. It's called being old and crazy. We'll call Moody what he is. After what he just went through, I don't blame him. Yeah. Being locked in a chest. For nine months, yeah. ten months. 
I wrote down what the address was for the headquarters. I'm not, like, the relevance isn't there. Number 12 Grimwald Place. Yeah. Yep. That is a thing to know. Well, yeah, it's a thing to know, but I don't know that I should be, like, like, is it really necessary to talk about right now? Well, it is a thing that you should know. Yeah. And that's all I will say. But that did also give you a clue into how secret keepers work, since that was how Harry's parents ended up getting killed, trusting the wrong secret keeper. Which, that, that makes sense. And when he gets there and is able to go inside, Miss Weezy, like, practically pounces on him the second he comes through the door, comes running up to him, like, giving him hugs and, like, asking him how he is and yeah, being the mom figure that Miss Weasley is to Harry. I think if she didn't trust Dumbledore as much as she does, she wouldn't have let him spend that whole month or however long it was at the Dursleys with no right. news. Right. But the fact is, he's so much older and wiser and everyone just trusts him. And so I think this was her first opportunity to just be like, I finally have my hands on you. You're okay. I know you're safe. Especially after the Dementor attack. Right. Which we all know Harry is more than prepared to deal with. So it shouldn't be all that bad. Well, now there are just repercussions. But immediately as she, he comes in, he's told to go upstairs because there's going to be a meeting of the Order of the Phoenix. So uh, he goes upstairs and starts literally blowing his fuse on Harry and... Oh, Jesus. So Harry blowing... just started yelling at Harry for some reason. I'm sorry, guys. Long In work... a corner, just crying and screaming and Long, ranting. Long, stressful weekend to blame for that. And if any of my bosses do end up listening to this podcast, you're welcome. I put in quite the effort and I'm ready to just sleep for like a week, which I won't get the opportunity to do, so... Here I am. Yeah, that's called a coma. Yeah, I would accept a small coma at this point right yep. now. Anyway, he was yelling at Ron and Hermione. He was yelling at Ron and Hermione as to why they were being so mean and not filling him in on anything that was going on. And Hermione immediately is like, listen, we wanted to. Cool your jets, man. Yeah, Dumbledore told us not to write you anything about it at all. Get off our backs. Again, I think this is just showing you some of the symptoms of his PTSD. The so quick to anger, so quick to go off, like to me, it just reads like PTSD. But also I know I'd be frustrated if I was kept out of the loop for however long that was. And you also get the scene where the twins show off that they can apparate now. Yeah. Even though That's funny. they're capable of just walking down the hall from where they were, like realistically, it's just silly that I want to know how they do synchronized apparition because, like, they had to have put effort into that. I would imagine you travel at the same speed, or is it different based on magic capabilities? That's out of my element. Yeah. I wouldn't know that. But so that, that's a really deep question. Yeah. Yeah. I think the science it's... behind magic. Well, if you want to actually get into it, there is a part in one of the books where. Harry is first being told about apparition by Ron for the first time. And he says something about you just disappear and reappear instantly. So if that's the case, they would just have to plan like three, two, one, and then yeah, apparate. Yeah. But I don't think level of magic has anything to do with it. Um, they find out that Percy is siding with Cornelius Fudge. But let's be honest, we all saw that coming. Right, right. He's too ambitious, which makes me question why he wasn't a Slytherin. But that's a topic for another day. Yeah, it's kind of funny because he's really just a big butt kisser. I was going to use different language, but, I, you know, friendly family podcast here. Boy, in our day-to-day life, it would be fun to just talk about these things. Yeah. But that pretty much wrapped up that chapter, more or less. They come down for dinner. They're more or less, like, figuring out basic things that are going on. Find out that the headquarters is actually Sirius Black's childhood home. Yeah. 
which is kind of interesting because like at first I was like that actually makes a lot of sense well you know? his parents being what they were yeah it ends up being like a big argument as to whether or not they're gonna tell Harry things between Miss Weasley and practically everybody else <laughs> it was like Miss Weasley versus the world to an extent don't count out Miss Weasley I, I'm not. She could beat any of them that up. Mother Bear energy could right? really jack some people up. It ends up being everybody except for Ginny, I think, gets to stay. Right. And hear about it a little bit. Well, the twins were of age and then Harry was just going to tell everyone else except for Ginny. Yeah. So. Basically, they inform him that the reason Fudge is being the way Fudge is being is because he thinks Dumbledore wants his job, which is beyond asinine and ridiculous because it's like sounds if, like a politician's line of if thought. he wanted your job he would have had your job yeah he doesn't have to go after your job he could just look at your job sideways and have it and you learn a little bit about like some of the operations that the order of phoenix is kind of running but really not that in depth so like right it's more enough just to appease harry with like we gave you a taste well i mean i feel like he has a right to know but i kind of also agree with mrs weasley like he's just a kid why can't we just let him be a kid yeah because he's never getting these years back and then also you find out that voldemort's trying to get his hand or is get in his possession a secret weapon that nobody seems to know what it is. Right. And Harry's like, so are we trying to get the secret weapon before he gets the secret weapon? Or like, we don't know what it is, so... How? How, yeah. yeah. Um, the next chapter is a lot of cleaning of the house because the house is a disaster. I actually love this chapter. I yeah. love this chapter. And I will tell you why. It's another wizarding location that you get to explore and see how wizards live and while it is decrepit and run down because creature hasn't been taking care of it or whatever i still like seeing this it was interesting it was very entertaining the scenes related to it obviously like fred and george are like pocketing right? creatures left and right and putting them in their pockets well it was what doxy eggs they wanted yeah something like that yeah or was it doxy venom and then they tried to purchase doxy eggs off of mundungus Fletcher. It might be that. I think that's the right method to the madness. It's been a year since I've read that one, so. And then Sirius shares the family tapestry, which is a weird thing in current day, but, like, was a regular thing in olden times. Well, he's part of the original 28, so, like, See, they would have you that. just gave me a spoiler because that was not mentioned in the book. He was, it was mentioned that he was one of the older wizarding families, and that was about it. If a wizard comes up to you and says, I'm part of one of the oldest wizarding families, they're part of the original 28, or lying. Which has not been a part of any of the books, though, so right. far mentioning right. wise. So that's why. Uh... Pretty sure it's not mentioned in the books at all. Oh, okay. So. There you go. The more you know. Or don't know, apparently. Yeah. And you find out that he's related to, like, all sorts of people that are either Harry knows, like the Malfoys or Tonks or the Lestranges. Right. Like, it's almost creepy how much inbreeding is going on between these families. Well, if you want to stay a pureblood, there's only a couple ways to do that. Yeah. Mm. And it's crazy that, like, they don't have, like, some weird birth defects and things like that. Is it because they're magic they don't get birth defects? Like... I don't think that would be it. I think you have offshoots who definitely don't go in for the inbreeding stuff. So that definitely helps keep that out. Yeah. 
Anyway, Sirius is really vouching to try to become the person that escorts Harry to his hearing. And all I could think in my head was, how stupid are you, Sirius Black? Like, you... He's just going stir crazy. Are you saying after 2020, you can't understand that? I am slightly stir crazy. And that's why we bought all the camping gear. So, (laughs) yes, I do understand it. But at the same time, it's like, dude, you can't march into the Ministry of Magic expecting not to be taken to Azkaban. Right, right. I agree. If you want to take a walk around the block, I get it. Like, cool, have somebody walk you like a normal dog. But, like, showing up at the Ministry of Magic is just suicide. Right. So it ends up being Mr. Weasley that's taking him. Well, it's his way to work anyway. Yeah. But they have to come in the guest entrance, which is a weird thing. Because, like, having been in phone booths in the United Kingdom, for that matter, phone booths anywhere, they're not large. Right. By any means. And it seems like this one is a completely normal phone booth until you punch in the right code to get a hold of the the people at the Ministry of Magic to let you in. Yeah. And it doesn't get any bigger until you get off of it. So I could imagine a full-grown adult and a child being mushed into the middle of a phone booth and going straight underground, more or less, to get there to the Ministry of Magic. And that was weird to me that the Ministry of Magic is underground. I never, like, that makes sense because it has to stay out of view from... Well, I feel like you would have trouble hiding a building of that size. In the heart of London. Right. Yeah. Do you know what the code is? I don't remember the code. 62442. Spells out magic. That is ridiculous. Right? Anybody could have figured that. If they've seen somebody like disappear into the ground, like it'd be and like, they just yeah. keep punching in numbers for days, eventually yeah. they figure it out. Yeah. I think eventually they would get their memory modified if we're being honest. And so Mr. Weasley is taking him through the Ministry of Magic. Obviously they meet up at the checkpoint first and Harry has to turn over his wand to the guy that's like literally paying hardly any attention to anything that's actually going on. So like the security level, pristine in the Ministry of Magic, high quality. Remember that later. Yeah. They get past the security checkpoint, and Mr. Weezy's, like, taking him into the elevator. And then the elevator random notes are just flying, like, paper airplanes. I thought yeah. that was super weird. I like that a lot. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's that's the weirdest way to send a memo. Like, I guess they don't have computers, so, like, that makes sense. You have to figure out how their world would operate without the things we use on a daily basis. Yeah. They finally get to Mr. Weasley's office, and they start to settle in because that's where his hearing is supposed to be. They end up being rushed, like, well, I shouldn't say that. Mr. Weasley's office partner or co-worker comes in and goes, you didn't hear? Like, they moved it to the main courtroom, you know, one of the old courtrooms. They also changed the time. Yeah, which was very nice. I Um, think they were just trying to make sure Harry didn't show up. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. It was, they were trying to entrap him and make him look bad. Yeah. So they're outright just rushing, like Usain Bolt speed, to try to get there as quickly as possible. Yeah. They get there, and Harry walks in, and he realizes it's the same courtroom that the trials for the Death Eaters was held in. Right. In Dumbledore's pensive. For just a little bit of underage magic. Right. It's bananas. It's just like, okay, this is a night and day comparison. There's 50 total wizards and witches making up the judges on Harry's hearing. Dumbledore arrives as a witness and kind of like, I guess, his legal representation to an extent. Right. (laughs) For Harry as the trial begins. Dumbledore calls Miss Fig as a witness. And, you know, every, every step of the way... Cornelius Fudge is trying to undermine whatever Dumbledore is saying. And like, you know, Miss Fig, well, she's just a squib. What would she know type of a thing? And it's just like... I mean, that is technically a good question because like, can they see them? Can they not? Well, they can see magic clearly because uh, Mr. Filch. Yeah. 
is a squib as well, and, like, he can see magic in the hallways. Well, so, like, that's not the question. The question is if they can see Dementors or not, which is a completely different thing altogether. Yeah. It seems like Fudge more or less so just has, like, a personal issue with both Harry and Dumbledore because it doesn't fit his current agenda. Right. That um, sound like any politicians you know? Currently a few of them, yes. But he's, like, very pushy about his biased opinions on the other judges. Like, right. you know, like, there are times where he was undermining Dumbledore and Harry, but then also, like, going... So what you're saying is, and then just taking like a huge dig at both of them and being like looking at the other judges as he says it, they end up taking a vote and Harry's cleared of the charges. Hooray. Dumbledore just pretty much ignores Harry as he leaves. Like through, well, let's be honest, through the whole process. Are we going to ignore the funny moment when he draws up a chair and he's actually drawing in the air a I chair? forgot about that scene and I don't know how, but yeah. I love that. Yeah. And it's not like all the like tough chairs that are in the courtroom. It's like this nice, soft, squishy chair. Yeah. But on his way out, he throws some money into the fountain that raises money for like charities related to other like magical creatures. For St. Mungo's, I believe. Yeah. Gets his wand back from the security guard who's doing the exact same thing he was when Harry left him last time, reading the paper. When he gets back, there's a celebration dinner waiting for him. After that, you get the book lists arriving, which is kind of cool. You find out that Ron and Hermione are prefects. Yes. Which, like, Hermione, totally understand it. Ron, I was like, what? No. <laughs> Like, Percy was a prefect. How is Ron a prefect? Like, uh, well, let's consider the other options. You have Neville. I love him. I would not give him that much power. Seamus. There's also Seamus and Dean, who at that point are, I would say, not on par with Ron as far as being up for that. Yeah. So. And then you have Harry and Ron. Yeah. That leaves the two of them. So it actually makes the decision pretty easy, realistically. I never thought about breaking it down that way. You have one male, one female from each house in the fifth year. Yeah. Hermione's a no-brainer, so like... Right. Who else would it have been? Freaking Lavender of all people? No. Yeah. Parvati. Whoever the other two girls are in their year. Who are never mentioned. <laughs> right. These poor girls are like the most ignored people in the book series. Oh, but what a quiet life they probably have. Yeah. Probably very, very nice experience at Hogwarts versus all the chaos. And it, like, it just seemed like Harry was so full of drama. He was mad at Dumbledore for not picking him for a prefect. Moody ends up showing him a picture of the old order of the Phoenix with photos of his parents with it. Right. And, like, is telling him what's happened to all the people, whether they, like, died or have been tortured and stuff. And I'm like, dude, he's jacked up in the head enough. He doesn't need any more of this. Right. Like, and Harry loses his cool on Moody and is just like, I'm done with this and leaves. Yeah. I totally understand that emotion. Well, I understand his emotions. I also think a lot of this has to do with PTSD, but I'll just leave that at that. And then you find out that Sirius is, like, really upset by the fact that Harry is going back to school and not staying with him. Like, he was mad about it at the celebration dinner a little bit, which seems childish, but... I would say Sirius is kind of stuck at the emotions he was at when he went to jail, in my opinion. So, for me, emotionally, he's always going to be this 21-year-old, like, man-child. Well, and and in the book, they relate to him thinking that Harry is his dad you know and like that's the friendship they have so i can kind of see that as well i think that's something that has been brought up in this book but i wouldn't have seen it as that from what's happened in book three and four right so like while i can understand that perspective i wouldn't have thought that 
And then we kind of end the night there. Harry goes to sleep. And he's woken by Ron after having a bad dream of Miss Weasley seeing, like, everybody die over and over. Or was that well, that was the Boggart? Missed that. You're... I bypassed that. You bypassed the Boggart. Yeah. There's a Boggart in a chest that she deals with while everyone's celebrating. And then she sees her family dead. And I want you to remember who she sees with the Boggart. Yeah. I'm just leaving that at that so we can have fandom discussion after the seventh book. Yeah, I don't know about all that, but I'll do my best. They wake up late, though. Catch Hogwarts Express. What else is new? Right. Everybody's always late to the Hogwarts Express. For I some would have a heart attack traveling reason. with these people. Yeah. Like, no. Yeah. You know who would travel well with them would be Jay Swanson. Yeah, well... <laughs> Great guy, funny YouTuber, but always late to things. Notoriously late. They get there barely just in time. What's weird is Sirius comes with him as the dog, which I think is strange. Well, you said he could go out in his dog form. Yeah, on a walk around the neighborhood, not to (laughs) King's Cross. (laughs) Well, they're taking owls and cats. Why not a dog? Well, the dog's not going to be allowed to get on the train, so (laughs) there's that. That's too bad. So you have the train ride. Obviously, Ron and Hermione have to report to the uh, prefix. Carriage? Carriage. I was going to say trailer, but that kind of sounds way worse. Train? I don't know. Carriage? Yeah, sure. I don't think of that when I think of a carriage. I think the thing that's pulled by horses, which is what a carriage is. But yeah, they end up there. And as they're getting on the train, they meet Luna because they realize that there's really no carriages that are left with not full seats and Ginny's like well she's not that bad they walk in and she's reading the magazine upside down she has a reason for doing that everyone points that out like she's crazy but like they have the spectra specs and whatever the thing was I think it was runes she was trying to read upside down with the spectra specs like Mm. there's an article explaining like why you would do that so why does everyone have to act like she's nuts it just seemed weird, I guess, or silly in some way, shape, or form. But it makes sense. I guess so. And then Malfoy, of course, has to come along and find Harry and brag about how he's a prefect now and how he's going to give Harry detention and all this crap. And then <sighs> Ron and Hermione are like, listen, there's two of us. Who are they going to believe? You know, right. type of thing. Get lost. You know, take your goons with you. And then Luna hears a joke that I want to say it was Harry made. And maybe it was Ron that made the joke. It was one of the two. It was Ron. And she just starts laughing out loud, like obsessively loud. Yeah. And everybody's like, we and are like, it was funny, but it wasn't that funny. You know, like, what are you laughing so hard about? And then she repeats it and then laughs even louder. And I was like, All My right. thing is, does he not want to be funny? Like, he made a joke on purpose. Yeah. But, like, it's almost as if she has a bad taste in humor and, like, is laughing at it. Like, laughing at the joke, not laughing with the joke, I guess is the best way to put it. Found the way it felt. Okay. I don't know. It's weird. Either way, they arrive at the at Hog, well, Hogwarts Station. Hogsmeade Station, technically. Hogsmeade Station. And they get separated as they're all trying to get off the train. Because the first years and everybody are like all crossing over, like hurrying, trying to get places. They realize that Hagrid's not there and that the backup is Miss Planks. Professor Grubbly Plank. Yeah. Is the person taking the first years on the boats. Yeah. Which is super weird. And then Harry sees these, like, demonic-looking horses. I know that they didn't really use that term, but that's kind of the descriptors. Leading the carriages that he'd never seen before. And, like, he starts losing it in front of Ron and Hermione. And Ron and Hermione like, what are you talking about? There's nothing there. Yeah. And Luna comes up and goes, don't worry, I can see them too. You're just as sane as I am. Yeah. And Harry's just like, 
oh god i'm insane like you're going <laughs> insane you know and you get to chapter 11 everybody arrives kind of at the dinner hall and you get the sorting hat's new really dark song which is more or less just trying to persuade them all to be like together as one united get along for yeah. once yeah don't don't pick fights you all need to work together to defeat the darkness that's coming basically dun dun Right. Dumbledore announces the new teachers, and when I say that, he announces Professor Grumbly Plank as the new care of magical creatures professor, and Professor Umbridge announces herself. Yeah. For about 30 minutes, it seems like speech, and people at a certain point just stop listening to her after about the first five minutes. Hermione is like one of one person listening to well, what she actually has to say. It sounds like nothing, but it's actually something. Yeah. What she's saying. It seemed like a lot of nothing, even to me, and I was reading it, so... And they find out Professor Umbridge is the new Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher. That's kind of the way I have it wrapping up, more or less. Um, when they get back to the common room, they get up to the bedroom area where they stay in the boys' room. Dormitories? In the dorms. And you have the fight that goes down because everybody thinks Harry's Looney Tunes now. Right. Because they're stupid and they listen to the Daily Prophet. Yeah. I think it's important that that happens because I think it makes sense that they don't really know what happened. They just know what Dumbledore said. Right. So I can understand being lost and confused and, and going Harry home. And then Harry didn't want to talk about it either. And then yeah. all of a sudden these articles are coming out. And so like, yeah, I could understand them being lost and confused. It would be a much harder to swallow story if everyone just believed Harry. Yeah. It would be a very boring story if that was the case too, let's be right. honest. And then Ron has to come in and break it up. Like, hey, 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 I'm the new prefect. I'm the new sheriff in town. What are you <laughs> doing? Which I thought was kind of funny because yeah. again i don't really visualize ron as that person very much yeah but he's got a new role so he has to be but i am excited about going a little further into it again i i felt like there was a lot of filler and i know that it's there for a reason because it's setting me up for more turns as we go along so yeah. i'm excited for it but i haven't had the chance to even continue reading this week so far because my work schedule has been so hectic and the recording schedule for the podcast has also been very weird and hectic because of my work situation so very busy all the way around oh, it's endless but you are gonna try to get through chapter 20 right before we next record that's the goal anyways yeah we'll see what happens obviously i have a few days off thank goodness coming up so, so yeah probably have a lot time of reading. To do reading on those days a very reading heavy day i'm excited nonetheless it seems like it's gonna be good i'm still riding the high from the last book so i'm ready for like some more good stuff yeah, well, I think the next few chapters are going to be more up your alley, more action-y. That's good. I'm but excited. It seems like that'll be everything for now. We've got all of our social media linked in the show notes. And we appreciate you guys giving us your time to listen, as always, because we know you have many choices, but you chose to listen to Pucks and Pages. And thanks for flying America. Thanks for flying Pucks and Pages. <laughs> but seriously, guys, we really appreciate it. Um, we look forward to talking to you guys next week, and we'll catch you next time. Bye, guys. Bye.